Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. We are continuing a really interesting series today, Mutual Edification. Last week was... Last week was good. Last week was really interesting. I imagine we have, I imagine we have, we learned a lot. It was a good experience for everyone of us that was here. Listen to the sermons afterwards, which I hope you did. Uh, I don't think there was a better associate that could have started that series, that series, Pastor Yinda Spaz, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be continuing into mutual edification. Now, the thing about this topic is that for TGC people, it's a little like bread and butter because we seem to establish a fundamental level of mastery as regards these kinds of things early on in your journey with us as a TGC member. So what I'm trying to say is give and take one of the earliest things you will learn or people typically learn, the people that join us typically learn is how to quote-unquote prophesy, and then we're going to define what we mean by prophecy in the context of what we're saying um, in the middle of the sermon that we're going to be sharing. We, starting this out, um, we used to call it ministering one to another, right? And for good reasons, essentially, it was us leveraging the gifts and the abilities that the Holy Spirit has made available to every believer, right, to bless ourselves very specifically very specifically i remember um the story of derek when he first came to tgc was he was pretty much his first time there so that's why i said like um for us um prophecy and the prophetic gifts right are kind of like bread and butter like it's one of the very first things that catches on to you real quick right so i remember i think it was Derek's first time was during a vigil, if I'm not mistaken. It was at our very earliest venue. And that very day, he was able to describe someone's house on their streets, was telling them, was telling the person the color of their gates, the color of the fences around their houses. It was it was interesting to see. It was scary. Not scary as in, like, we're scared that he did it, but, like, did that level of detailing for your first time, right? Because it's it seems to be like it's a progression from okay, when you hear about one to another, when we say go pray with somebody and we tell them give them a word, that's what we typically call it, give them a word. What typically happens is that if it's sort of like your first time, um, and you pray with the person, and let's say you've never had any experience with this, what you usually Come, except like you are exceedingly daring, like you're exceedingly bold, yeah. But typically, it's fine if you don't have anything, quote unquote, right? That can happen. But then, if you are last, last looking to save face, you tell them, God bless you, God loves you. And the person, because the person is not unruly, will say, Thank you so much, right? But before, God doesn't God. Hasn't God blessed me already? Doesn't he love me? I understand. Um, and funny enough, like there are times that that might even be what the person needs, right? At that point in time, to be fair, that might be what the person needs. Even for believers, for lack of a better word, for lack of a better way to put this, that seem more established, right? I promise you that 
everybody pretty much needs that. Everybody still pretty much needs that. Oh, God loves you. God is there for you. That kind of thing. Does that make sense? So, um, uh, so don't be if if you haven't ever done this before. Don't don't never feel shame for. Oh, all you could say was that because the fact of the matter is, and as we're going to explore while we go through. Um, have to treat today. We're going to get into the text real quick. First Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. You'd find that these things get better with use. So the more you try to do things, the more you dare to do things, the more you realize that you can do, it gets better. You're able to get a little more specific. You're able to more meaningfully communicate or bless the person that you're supposed to bless. Does that make sense? All right, so let's get into it. So what we want to remind ourselves of in this series and in some way today is the fact that every believer is supernatural, every single person. It is not just a pastor thing. It is not just a spiritual leader thing. Everybody, everybody, every believer rather is supernatural. And like I said, this is seemingly almost bread and butter for for. A, a fair amount of people at TGC, but you know, when two people say a thing, Peter, Apostles Peter and Apostle Paul, when they both said that it is important for me to remind you of certain things, right? So let's take this as a reminder, as an opportunity to resharpen our senses as regards these matters, right? Because it's a thing we need to learn, it's a thing we need to keep learning to stay sharp, so to speak. Does that make sense? All right, so the goal of the series is to remind us that every believer is supernatural because we have the Spirit indwelling in us, number one. That is why we're supernatural, because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Number two, every believer can be blessed other believers by the help of the Spirit. We minister comfort, encouragement, and strength. Edification is most effective when it is in the language of the receiver. So what this simply means, let's define edification for a bit. Um, and why it is important, right? So something happened. There was a realization I had in the middle of the week um, about work and life in general, right? It was a realization I had in the middle of the week. And I was thinking about how there was really proactive work that I had set out to do. There was proactive work that I had set out to do because like, I, I felt like, okay, these things are going to move like the company forward. And it's not necessarily things we're thinking of doing right now, but by the time I shared the idea with management, with a couple of our other executive members of the executive team, they were like, oh, Daniel, this is really good thinking. We're really going to need this, and it will probably get us to where we want to be in two years, in a year. So, proactive work, right? The fact of the matter is, as of right now, it is not so consequential if that work gets done now, right? But I found out that because of the nature of the day-to-day of the work that I do operations, and I'm sure that some other people, I tell people don't do tech, really don't do tech, um, but because of the nature of how tech can get sometimes, you might find that you are fire brigading a lot, you're doing so many things, and at the end of the day, you figure out, you find out the, the proactive work you sort of set out to do, you didn't quite devote as much time as you possibly could have to doing it, like... You would always find how many of you have found yourself saying, "More today was a long day," or "More this week was a long week." When was the last time your day was not long? When was the last time your week was not long? The point I'm trying to make is this: 
there will always be a need for spiritual gifts and edification because the things that edification caters to happen. So the need for strength, the need for joy, the need for renewed hope, the need for encouragement will always be there because it seems that we will always have long weeks, right? We will always have long days, right? So this series is essentially to help us maximize what we have in us as believers in going through these long weeks, in going through these long days, because it's very, very easy. It is very easy for believers to kind of forget about the deposit that they have in them and the ability that they have in them. Does that make sense? All right, so that is why edification would always be important. And just for sake of definition, for the context that we're in, edification very simply means anything you receive, right? Either you bless yourself and do that. Either a believer blesses you or your pastor or spiritual leader blesses you. Anything that you receive that was ministered, yeah, with the intention to bless, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen, anything that was given to make you feel better or be better or to improve the circumstances or situation of anything. So far, there is net positive change as the intention of that thing that was ministered it is edification. So it makes you feel better. It ministers strength to your spirit. It ministers strength to your body. You were edified, right? The spirit gets stirred and like you, for lack of a better word, feel better. You were edified. Does that make sense? Um, let me know that we're following so you can just drop an emoji in the chat. So I'm sure that I'm not too fast, that we are understanding what I'm trying to say. Thank you very much. Um, so more just so like I know like more people are following. Alright. So first Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Um, so I'm going to read. So it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are, diver there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are di diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he individually wills. Amen. So, fairly popular scripture. I like the fact that Apostle Paul stressed that there was a need for the things of the Spirit to be taught. So, it kind of removes whatever, for lack of a better word, right? I'm using this term loosely. Mystery there seems to be, right, around the gifts of the Spirit. It removes whatever mystery there seems to be around operating in the supernatural and it removes that level of spookiness or austere. It is, the fact of the matter is that the things of the Spirit are for everybody. It is common to every believer. Like, it is as 
common, my, I want to use the word as cheap, but not that, not meaning that it doesn't have value. But it is cheap, it is common to every believer. The way there is sand everywhere is literally the way you as a believer can minister in the Spirit. It's, it's essentially the way every single believer can minister the things of the Spirit. All right, so we'll go over some quick facts. Number one, every believer has the Holy Spirit. In fact, you cannot be a believer without having the Holy Spirit. You cannot. We see that in Romans 8, 9 to 11. We see that in John 14, 15 to 17. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. I like some, there was something a man of God said one time. He said, when God gave us Jesus, he gave us, he gave us his best. But when he gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us his all. What that literally means is you as a believer, you have the very thing that makes God, God. So if you think of everything that God is, love, all-powerful, almighty, omniscient, omnipotent, everything you can think of to call him, right? The spirit that makes him God, the very thing that makes God, God, you as a believer have it. So literally the power responsible for the creation of the entire world, of the entire universe, you have that very same thing in no small measure, in generous measure, given to you, living on the inside of you. So this sort of, I hope this sort of establishes a benchmark for the capacity or the ability that we have as believers. Because every believer has the Spirit within, every believer can flow out with things of the Spirit. Every believer has something to offer. Even your God bless you, your God loves you, you do not know how much that can encourage somebody. Don't despise that little thing in your hand, right? Naturally, there are, might be more specific ways to bless a person. I'll give an instance. Let's say somebody is going through something. And like this person, let's say, is a fairly decent Christian, right? He goes through the rituals, prays a fair amount of times. He listens to sermons a fair amount of times, actually serving in church. But the fact of the matter is, like we said, the day can be long. The week can be long. Life happens. Jesus himself gave us a guarantee of the fact that things will be tricky, right? John 16, Yeah, things will be tricky. Things will be tough. There will be challenges, right? And everybody goes through them. There is the possibility of... It's not every time that believer, like there's like that believer, right? And worse still, let's imagine things are happening in droves. This one happens, another one then happens, another one then happens to the point where the person is seemingly feeling overwhelmed, right? I can put it to you that the person in that moment, the young innocent believer that let's say we happen to have ministry one to another. Or you're just praying for somebody and God just like you just feel impressed in your spirit that God says you to tell this person that I love the person or whatever, right? Or that he sees you. I promise you that the person, let's say, imagine like it was during a Sunday meeting, maybe a workers' prayer meeting or even in church. I promise you that the person, the young believer that just innocently, meekly just goes to the person, the believer in question that is going through things, and says, God loves you and communicates that God's love. God loves you. God sees you. God is with you, right? 
that person has done a good job and that person is almost seemingly comparable to the person, to the more seasoned believer that will go to that person and say, you're going through this, 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 this. This is what God is saying about those particular situations, right? While one might seem more impressive than the other in the fact that one, the more seasoned believer was more specific, yeah, and we really should strive to be more specific, right? Because people feel better seen, better heard that, okay, God was actually seeing me. To the person that just says, God loves you, God is with you. While one might seem more impressive, while one is the fruit of being more seasoned or having applied and exercised yourself unto godliness a lot more, right? It doesn't negate the impact of the first one. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because the words that you speak are spirit and life. You're not just saying those words, especially if it's God that gave you those words to say. So you should never feel bad or shame or less about the fact that all you had, let's say it's even me you came to pray with, it was Pastor Chidera you had to pray with, or it was Ohita you had to pray with, or it was Pastor Oyinda or Juliana, let me call the prophets in our church, that you had to pray with, and all you could say to them was, God loves you, God sees you. you because that's really maybe one where your faith can carry, where your skill level, your mastery in terms of the things of the Spirit can carry, or if that's even just what you genuinely hear, you should not feel bad about that. You shouldn't feel less about it. In fact, knowing these people, I promise you that if you tell them these things, they might ball out and start crying. And you'll be wondering, it's just God loves you that I told you. It's just God sees you that I told you. Well, the fact of the matter is that if it was communicated with the intent, the motivation of love, right? It is God that gave you that word and laid that word upon your heart to give. The Bible says that the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If it satisfies that you have blessed the person, right? You have blessed the person. So never feel less. Every believer in every meeting has something to offer. Amen. You can be a blessing to yourself and to others by the manifestations of the Spirit. You are a child of God. Every child of God has something to offer. Every single one. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, 26. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. Right? That thing that you have to give, don't despise it that, oh, I can't do it like pity. Oh, I can't do it like Pastor Oyinda. Oh, I can't do it like Juliana. Right? And then we're going to delve just a little into differentiating between the gift of prophecy that is available to all believers, right? And then the office of the prophet, right? We're going to delve into that a little. Okay, actually, I can just differentiate that we'll like later on. Um, so essentially, like I said, don't feel a type of way about the fact that that is all you can say. Let me share a little about how it was for me. And I know that for other people that... People might seem okay they seem to not be totally at loss like they kind of know what they are doing do you know what i'm trying to say so the experience was, was typically like this i remember when you first I, when you first get the baptism of the holy spirit you are praying in tongues you are blasting blah 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 
then all of a sudden, we didn't even, re- you might not even realize that what you were doing was prophecy, right? You just know that when you are praying in tongues, you start having certain thoughts, right? And then those thoughts seem to relate to things in your life, yeah? And you just very innocently think of it as God speaking to you. You are very correct. God was speaking to you about a particular thing. And the moment you say that, you have prophesied, right? Because tongues plus the interpretation of said tongues is prophecy. Does that make sense? So about year four, when I was about to go on, on, on a teaching series where I want, you know, it's one thing to be able to do a thing. It's another thing to know that thing enough to the point where you teach it. You can reverse engineer it. You can talk about the mechanics of how certain things work. So, for instance, you've, if you've come for workers' meeting before on a Sunday, you heard me say, see, there are ways you could a seemingly powerful prayer session corporately. There are things you can do. There are things you can say, right? Because while well, that came by mastery, you just know the things to do. Or without music. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So it's pretty much the same thing with things of the spirit. There is a way you can know it and just do it. And maybe you don't even know how you are doing it. You just know that, okay, I, I get thoughts. Or I just look around when I'm praying and I get thoughts. And you just innocently think of it as, okay, it's just a thing that happens. But not knowing that that was prophecy. That was interpretation of tongues. The thoughts that come to you when you are praying about a particular thing, most of the time, a good amount of the time, is the interpretation of the tongues that you're praying. Right? So, I mean, I've done it innocently. So, about the time where I was like, you know what? I saw, I came across this scripture like, in the first Corinthians 14, everybody should prophesy. And I was like, you know what? This would be a good first step. Why? Because if people are going through things, God will tell us, right? Remember how the prophets boasted, I think it was Elijah, was it Elisha or Elijah, when he was like, how can a thing happen and God not tell me? Imagine the... F1 like we just trusted that oh I'm a prophet, like I'm in your life, I'm involved in this. If anything should happen, I should know. God should tell me. And at the end of the day, he was able to remedy that situation, right? So this particular semester, I did I my the research I did was incredible. I was already doing this, but I realized I wasn't sure I knew how I how I was doing it. And when if you want to know something better, you want to know how much you know something, try to teach it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out how to tell people what to do, right? So for instance, me, me being able to say now that, oh, interpretation of tongues or prophecy is simply when you are praying and then you have thoughts, you see images in your mind concerning certain things, and it kind of just starts to make meaning, yeah? That's literally interpretation of tongues. It is not the way you say what in Yoruba to mean come in English. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's translation. But the interpretation is you are getting the sum and substance of what you are saying. And how does that happen? The thoughts. So all of this knowledge came from that period of research and listening to teachings, listening to PT, reading a lot of Kenneth Hagin books, reading a lot of Bethel stuff. So that's how we're able to learn some of the things that we then give as directives, even getting people filled with the Holy Ghost, how we used to refer to it then, for lack of a better way of expression, where we wanted them to speak in tongues if they had never spoken in tongues before. All of those ways of doing things were things that we learned. So that's why Apostle Paul said, I will not have you ignorant concerning spiritual things. Meaning that there is a method, almost seemingly a formula, for lack of a better word, to it. 
How do you speak in tongues? You speak in tongues. The same way you speak in intelligible language, you speak with faith, trusting that the Holy Spirit is praying through you, you open your mouth and you speak. To the point where now, in second nature, you no longer think about it. Do you know that you can do words of knowledge and words of wisdom as instantly as tongues? If we pray, if I said, okay, no, well, guys, let's pray in tongues for five minutes, you are not going to need two seconds to boot. And by boot, I mean to actually pray in tongues. You might need a while to maybe add more energy or get more charge, right? But you will almost pray in tongues instantaneously. Do you realize, right? Do you realize that your word of knowledge, your word of wisdom, your interpretation of tongues can become as immediate, as instant as you pray in tongues? I'll, 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 explain, I'll, I'll show that in my story. So I was trying to learn how to teach people because knowing how to do one thing is one thing. Knowing how to teach other people to do is another. So I was, I was researching and praying. Then there happened to be one morning I was praying. It was around like 2 a.m. on Monday. I was praying and I just found myself saying, I'm a spiritual man. I understand spiritual counsel. The things of the Spirit are not foreign to me. I kept on saying those three things over and over and over again. Why? The Holy Spirit was helping me pray. And I was seeing the interpretation of something that had been on my heart. So God heard my heart cry. Answered that prayer. And because of hunger, zeal, which we will see further down in, the, in, the, in what we're going to share today. Because of hunger and zeal, I was able to figure out this is how you can help people get started with this. Right. So even for me, it was a progression. So at first, and then I was passed, I didn't really have a choice. You have to do it. If you're going to tell people to do it, you're going to have to do it. And mind you, I'd been doing it before. But that kind of thing where it seems that when you didn't know how you were doing a thing, when you now want to try to learn to do it, you're like, oh, what am I doing? You're not as you're almost not as certain as when you didn't know how you were doing what you were doing. So I would then start and because maybe I was a little more they are kiddas, right, in terms of mastery. Mastery is an actual thing in the spirit. The Bible says that those who by you, by reason of use, the more you use a thing, the better it becomes. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. So you can get with certain things, right? So I was a little past God bless you, God loves you, right? So at first when I would pray for people, and because I was really pushing myself, I was really challenging myself, at first, when I would pray for people, it would take me hours, I would usually count. It would take me maybe 10 minutes, right, to sort of like get the detail of, okay, the person is going through this and this and this and this. The person is feeling this and this and this. And I would ask, is what I'm saying, does it make sense to use it correct? And the person will be nodding their head. And you can almost see the fact that, okay, how did he know this, right? You're going through this and this and this. You're feeling this and this and this and this because of blah, 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 blah. You are just testing, right? But because I wanted to be specific, I was, that's what I was doing. So at first, it would take me 10, 12, 15 minutes to get that, right? Continue doing it. Later on, it would take me 10 minutes start. Then before you know it, it took me five minutes start, right? Then before you know it, I didn't need to pray. I would literally, when it was time for to minister one to another, I would just look, right? And then I already have words for that person, yeah? But being, when you want to communicate, there is, and we're going to cover that later on, there is a way you 
the way to be intelligent about that was not, it was not for me to feel proud about, oh, I can just look and see. Oh, I can just look and hear. Oh, I can just look and know. That wasn't necessarily useful. I was happy about the fact that, okay, yeah, I, I'm seem, I seem to be getting better with these things, right? But guess what? When I had to pray with that person, like when I went to home, like I had to hold someone's hand to pray with, yeah? I was cognizant of the fact that this person is probably thinking, oh, this is Pastor Daniel. I don't want to mess up giving word, or how can I be praying for Pastor Daniel? So even though I already knew I had the word, right? In my head, I knew that if I gave the person the word, the person might not feel as encouraged, like, oh, he's pastor, like, what am I going to say to him? So I would, quote and unquote, pray. I already had the word that I want to give, to give the person. So I would, quote and unquote, pray. While the person was doing it, it's like, we're both praying to get the words, and I would let them go first. Bless me. I will tell them that blessed me so much. Thank you. Uh, and then share my own word with them, right? There was no need for me to just go and say, except like I was in a past, I was in a more pastoral sense. If I wasn't praying with anybody and it was just like general praying in terms and I had to go meet people one on one. Yeah, that was a different scenario. Yeah, there is how you handle these things with wisdom in such a way that you don't make people feel less. What you want people to feel, what you want people to discern is God's love. That God cares about them, right? So it breaks down into these simple things. If we are praying generally, and I feel like I have a word for people just by looking at them, I'll walk up to them, hey, hi, hold their hands. This is what I have. Does it make sense to you? Bless you. If like, there's anything I need to do or pray or lay hands, I'll do that, right? But if it was a ministry once another scenario, there is already, oh, he's pastor. He's a pastor. What am I going to say to him most of the time, right? And at the end of the day, I was like, no, there's no need for me to say to the person, like, from the bat, because it would feel like ah, he has mastered this thing, quote unquote, right? So you'd pray with the person, maybe refine the clarity that you have, right? Let the person share, and then you share, right? So it feels like, yes, we are getting better. That is you ministering God's love. That is you removing self and ego, right, from the equation. You want better because you want to be able to more accurately pinpoint things. How many of you have been team leads and you know you had team members? Or even if you're not a team member, right? You're just a worker in church and you can just see that, oh, this person hasn't been as active as they are. And you just know that, see, there's nothing you ask this person that will make the person share. Hey, this is, how are you? I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm good. You can see on their face that something is probably, they are good in Jesus' name, right? But you can see on their faces that something is probably up. But you know that they're not going to tell you, pass, I'm fine, I'm good, it's just work, it's just stress. But imagine if you had gained mastery up until the point where the Holy Spirit could tell you, this, this, this is what's going on. And you can just reach out to the person and say, hey, so I was praying for you and I saw this, 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 this. Don't you think you stand a better chance of ministering to that person, of reaching out to that person, if you were to do that? Don't you think so? So the whole point of it would always, 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 always be to minister God's love to his people. Every, every, it says that the manifestation of the Spirit was given to each one for the profiting of all. That person that you're asking, George, how are you? Do you know something is up, but you can't say, and you don't want to be intrusive, quote-unquote. Go on your knees, pray for the person. The Holy Spirit tells you this, this, this. Just reach out to the person. Hey, I was praying for you, blah, 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 blah. And you probably stand a better chance of reaching that person in that particular way. Does that make sense, guys? 
So that should be the motivation for why you would want to get better with things of the spirit. Yeah. Practice, use it more, put yourself in situations where, hmm, someone, there is a philosopher that said something once, said everything is hard before it's easy. Think about going to the gym, right? When you first of all start lifting weights or doing whatever it is that you were doing, at first you might struggle. At first you might struggle. That 10 kg dumbbell that you were pulling might seem like a struggle or you might do it, but you know that something touched your body shot, right? But you con you continue with it, you're consistent with it. Two weeks down the line, what happens? That current is like lightweight. It's lightweight for you. The weights didn't change. You grew. You got better. Does that make sense? So things are first hard before they are easy, right? So the things of the spirits that you felt were like, oh, okay, this is as much as I can do. If you consistently, diligently practice those things, you would realize that, oh, it's easier for me to do. You might even have a story faster than mine. Well, you are just looking at your scene. Sometimes you don't even need to look. The, the vision or the thoughts will come to you when you're just walking about your day and you just push it a text. Hey, I was like, God just laid this on my heart about you. That's mastery. That is mastery. Like, there are levels to these things. Think of how you started speaking in tongues. Think of how you started speaking in tongues. Not everybody had to face to just use, you know, we call capital letter tongues. You want to hear you're hearing all the aggressive consonant sounds, right? Yeah? You're hearing all of the aggressive consonant sounds. It's not everybody that necessarily started like that. Sometimes, some, I know some people that I got filled with the Holy Ghost, yeah? And all they could say was, mama, mama, mama. Like, just one, one, one consonant and vowel. That's all they could say all through. Now, they are blasting capital letter tongues. They have changed the tongues. The tongues has updated. That's cholesterol software update multiple times. It's now more fluent. Things get better the more you use them. And there is a real need for you to be able to get better with these things. Why? Because the only way to show God something that one of the quotes that one of the very first things that Pastor Tolu ever taught me was the fact that the love of God is incomplete without the power of God. You can tell somebody that God loves the person and they can't see or feel that love. Does that make sense? The love of God is incomplete without the power of God. So the person that is going through stuff that wouldn't tell you and you get it by the Spirit would see that they would feel love. They would feel refreshed. I promised you. It has probably happened to you before where somebody just came to give you a word and you're like, okay, I wasn't even thinking. Maybe you weren't even thinking about yourself. You're just doing your church work. We're just going through your week, right? But then someone just comes to you with a water down on Sunday in the middle of the week. You'd be like, you'd feel better. That is God's love being ministered to you, right? And the more effectively, the more specifically we can touch things, right? The more the person feels seen, right? The more the person feels seen. So um, for a definition's sake, we're just going to go through a couple of things, right? The definition of for the context of, so you understand what I'm saying. So when you hear us say word of knowledge, right? So for instance, if I'm able to tell somebody, I'm going to use an instance, let's say a pastor calls a person out and says, is there anybody called Chinyere here age 20 something that's schooled in this place, right? Those facts are already knowledge at the time. That person has been Chinyere for her entire life. That person has schooled wherever she schools, but that person 
that person has been whatever age she is for that entire year. So it is already a fact that exists already. It is either present or past, right? So when God is able to tell you facts about persons, people, situations, things, right? You are going currently, that's present, right? You are going through this currently, that's present, right? If you are able to do that, that is in word of knowledge. So word of knowledge is revelation by the Spirit of God, revealing facts about the present or past. But if you then tell somebody, right, that this is going to happen, blah, 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 you're going to experience this thing, but the Holy Spirit says you should prepare, you should guard up, you should pray some more, and you're going to enter the end. So finally, telling somebody the person is going to do or going to experience, so it's future, right? That is called the word of wisdom. So a word of wisdom is revelation by the Spirit of God about things that will happen in future. So just think about it this way. Words of knowledge, present, past. Words of wisdom, future. Oh, you're probably going to do this. Oh, you're probably going to open a foundation. Oh, you're probably have a ministry for this. Those are words of wisdom. It seems to be what is going to go on, right? So, tongues and interpretation, we've pretty much already said it. Um, so, prophecy is supernatural utterance. You know, like, there are some ways that you pray, right? There's some ways you pray and we're like, oh, what is prayer? Like, you're not even praying in tongues, right? There's some ways you pray or some things you say, right? And you're like, ah, oh, this thing feels good. Like, you feel spiritual. No, not even necessarily spiritual in the sense of, like, you feel spiritual, right? You just feel like, like, yeah, like, I blessed somebody spiritually in some world. This is a blessing spiritually, right? If you are able to do that, right, that is prophecy, right? It is just being inspired to say certain things that blesses, that blesses. We are going to go into specific nuances and instances. Like I said, everything almost has mechanics. There is mastery that comes with how certain things should be done. And we'll see it in some ways, right? So, but the moment you are able to give inspired speech in a known tongue, that means in the English you understand, in the Yoruba that you understand, if it's a Chinese person in the Mandarin that they understand, right? They're able to minister in, in a language they clearly understand. It is prophecy. Does that make sense? So, but then, because all of these things, for the context of this particular teaching, all of these things should be done or given with the intention or the motivation to bless. Does that make sense? So we're just going to refer to all of these things as prophecy. So prophecy, anything that blesses, encourages, protects, preserves, strengthens, encourages, all of that good stuff, right? So everybody, every believer can, in the first place, every believer can prophesy. Then every believer should prophesy. Why? If you're going to show somebody God's love, it's one of the easiest ways you can do it. If you're going to preach to somebody and you preach with the word of knowledge, you've won the person over. Sometimes the talk, talk, talk is unnecessary, shall I? You need to present evidence. Do you understand? Without evidence, you will explain tire. It's true. But if you imagine you're preaching to a Muslim, just tell your sister is this, your sister, your mama, the person, you become God to the person literally immediately. And it's not wrong. The Bible says that I have made you gods unto Pharaoh, right? But then another point is that you know that you have the ability to influence that person to make a decision for Christ, right? Why? Because evidence, prophecy. Does that make sense, guys? So there is how every believer can prophesy, right? 
because we have the spirit that can enable us to do so. We almost it's almost expected every believer can do all of the nine gifts. Every single believer. Let's go through all the nine gifts. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. No, 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 no. Let's uh, let's start. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. These are the utterance gifts, right? Word of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. These are the prophetic gifts, right? Healings, miracles, special faith, right? Those are the power gifts. So three sets of threes. I'll take it again. Utterance gifts, in case you've forgotten. Utterance gifts is in the first Corinthians story that we read. Utterance gifts, tongues, utterance in unknown language, interpretation of tongues, when you are able to figure out what it is you are praying for or saying in the spirit, and then prophecy, inspired utterance in a known language, first set of threes. We call them the utterance gifts because you say them out, right? Words of wisdom, words, words of wisdom when you know things that will happen in the future. Words of knowledge, when you know things that happen in the present or that have happened in the past, right? And then descending of spirits, when you're able to see into the spiritual influences over a person or a place. Because these reveal certain things, they are called prophetic gifts. That is why they are called prophetic gifts. Healings, miracles, special faith, because these are the things that do special, as in like they get incredible results. They get unnatural results. They are shows of power. That is why we call them conveniently power gifts. Yeah, so if you've never like heard that before, like that's something you can definitely take this thing. So in talking about prophecy, every believer can prophesy. In fact, for all of the gifts, we can all do them. Why? The Bible says desire the very best gifts. And then it, the, there has always been something around this scripture. I, I imagine we should be done with this in the next 30 minutes or so, 30, 40 minutes. So like just keeping everybody honest. Um so there was always this thing of what is the best gift? Yeah, what the Bible says in First Corinthians 14 or 15. It says that this is the greatest, but desire the best gift. What is the best gift? So because there was a school of thoughts in the church, yeah, that thought that because everything up until then was talking about prophecy and prophecy in the corporate sense, right? Everybody thought, most, a lot of people thought, and we're convinced that the best gift was prophecy. Prophecy is very helpful, right? But the fact of the matter is that it is more useful to think of it this way. The best gift, and when we say best gift, we mean the gifts of the Spirit. The best gift is the gift that is needed to be ministered at that point in time. So I'll explain. If somebody comes to you with issues and you're able to reveal by the Spirit and know what's up with that person, and you're able to bless and prophesy and minister to that person, at that point in time, all the gifts that were in operation, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, yeah, are the best gifts. If you meet someone that is in need of healing, right, and you minister healing to that person, at that point in time, healing is the best gift. So the best gift is the gift that is the most useful in that context. It is not very useful for you to give word of knowledge to someone that needs healing except you want to except the holy spirit is taking you through a tone of okay this is how this happened now receive your healing but if it just ends at word of knowledge how blessed do you think the person would be if what the person needed at that moment moment is healing so we understand that the best gift is what is needed part time, which is why we must be up and doing. We must grow in all of these things. You must be able to use the utterance gifts. You must be able to use the revelation gifts. 
You must be able to use the power gifts. The best gift is the gift that is needed for that moment in time. And you can grow. The Bible says desire earnestly. There has to be zeal behind the best gifts. So now, let me, let's quickly distinguish between when you hear the office of something and the gift of something. The clearest, um, clearest example of this is the gift of prophecy and then the office of the prophet. So, it's kind of like everybody, if you know the Bible a little, you know the, there's something you know about the Bible that I don't necessarily know, you can't teach that to me, right? doesn't necessarily make you a teacher. Let's put it this way. Let's say you read your textbook, right? In school, in uni, you learn certain facts, and you share these facts with your lecturer. It doesn't make you a lecturer. But you can technically give a lecture to other students, right? But it doesn't make you a lecturer. So I'm going to explain what I mean. There are things, so the ministry gifts now, so there's a difference. There's the spiritual gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, blah, blah, blah. And then the ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, right? So differentiating between the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. The gift of prophecy is when you're able to receive God's will and bless and encourage and comfort and all that good stuff, right? But the office of the prophet, yeah, for most offices, there are qualifications that you must have, right? So for the office of the prophet, for you to be called a prophet, in the first place, there is a local church that's seemingly like under like, under like a pastor, right? A pastor would spot this gift and say, oh, there is a prophetic calling on this person's life. And it will simply, typically be in a stronger, greater degree. So it's, for instance, how we can recognize Pastor Yinda and Juliana that there is a stronger degree of the operations of the Spirit in them because it seems they get it faster. It seems that they are more specific. They are more bold about it. You can just see that in some ways it passes the eye test of how measured it is, that theirs is a lot more than ours. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean you don't have the gifts, but theirs is in a stronger degree, number one. And then number two, and this was suggested by Kenneth Hagin, by Papa Hagin, is if you must have, if you must be called into the office of the prophet, right, how we can know, how we can tell, is that you must have two, and I think, I don't necessarily know that this is scripture or doctrine, but it's just a good enough litmus test, right? And it kind of makes sense. If you must be called into the office of the prophet, you must have two of the three prophetic gifts. So either words of wisdom or words of knowledge, accurately, scary, damn sure, the person that's saying name, date, age, name, date, age, place, event, that specifically, your own is not God bless you, God loves you. No disrespect or shit, God bless you, God loves you. But that is not enough to make you a prophet. You must clearly, strongly, have the oppression of two, at least two, out of the three prophetic gifts. This gives being words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the setting of spirits. You must have two out of these three very, very strongly, right? And typically, it's used, it's best that you are found and developed in the context of a local church, right? Because there are all kinds of spirits roaming about. So when you are in a local church, you are balanced, you have someone that you submit to, you can, we can trust that your biases are being taken care of, that you are being trained to do the right thing to minister effectively. Do you understand? So that is what the difference between the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is I can pray for Akiola now and I receive a word and I give him. That's prophecy. Everybody can do that. Yeah. But not everybody will be able to, number one. And number two, will need to do everything that Pastor Yinda or Juliana do, for instance. 
Do you understand? There might be something else that it is just your own thing to do. Yeah. So for instance, if you're talking of this of the gift of special faith, the one person that occurs to me that has it in this church is Pastor Tobin, and rightly so. The things that this man has dared to be like, okay, nice. Like now we are getting used to it, right? But back then when we were starting, you just know, okay. He himself would say, Was I mad when I what was I thinking when I tried this? That's just the operation of the gift of special faith. Some people just seem to have a calling on like just acting for that time, right? So I hope I was able to explain the difference between the gift of prophecy. You can just bless somebody here and there, right? And then the office of a prophet, yeah, there is typically some recognition in your local church or local assembly that, oh, you have a prophetic calling in your life, right? There, and typically the pastor will spot this. Then you must have at least two of the three prophetic gifts in very strong operation in a seemingly unusual manner. Right? In a seemingly unusual manner. That means it's more than most, it's stronger than most. So that's kind of like the difference, right? So now we are going to go into some more specific nuances of we're going to go into some okay, just so that we can sort of double down on that. So it's kind of the same way that we say like there is an evangelist, the office of the evangelist. Does it mean that we just leave it for them? Not necessarily. Every believer should share the gospel. Right, but the difference between you and them is that they have a ministry around this, right? And while you can share the gospel and you might be able to minister healing and blah blah blah, they can do it at a greater degree. Do you understand? Typically, evangelists will have two, and this again, this is Papa Hagen's suggestions. Typical of how you can spot, how you can identify like someone who's an evangelist, and incredible passion for souls. The person carries souls, souls, souls. He doesn't, the person might not necessarily think about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is important. So this is how we see that, oh, this person has a ministry tending towards this thing. The passions that the person tends to exhibit. This person is souls, souls, souls. The person can't stop preaching. Literally, you cannot stop the person from preaching. And typically, the person would have two out of the three power gifts in very strong operation. Because, see, at that point in time, when you're trying to do crusade over cities, you need signs. This is, Jesus is Lord. They don't need to hear that Jesus is Lord. They need to see that Jesus is Lord. Does that make sense? So typically, two out of the three power gifts, healings, miracles, uh, special faith, the gift of special faith, will typically be in strong operation in an unusual degree. Unusual meaning stronger, more frequent, more impactful than you might say the average believer would do. Again, Depending on how much you want to carry these things on your head, you can develop all of these gifts. By gifts, I mean the spiritual gifts now. You can develop them as much as you want to. It's really, the cap is really on your zeal. For instance, now, tongues have been developed because we have to pray in tongues all the time. You've been praying in tongues for a couple number of years. But how long do you say you've gone without breaking, giving words of knowledge and words of wisdom? How long do you go between if you are doing, if it's something you are doing it every week, you will feel you are going faster than if it's something you do every month or every other time. Does that make sense? So, I hope I differentiate between the gifts or the responsibility of doing certain things, yeah, and the office of that particular thing. I hope we've been able to do that. Um, if we're with me, let me see our responses or emojis in the comment section, just so I'm sure that we are following. Thank you very much, Adura. Adura is always pretty prompt. 
DJ and Pastor Yinda, can you guys hear me? Akiola, can you guys hear me? Bolu Chinedum, are we good? All right, are we blessed? Are we learning? Is this useful? Perfect, 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 perfect. Uh, so now, because we are dwelling on mutual edification in the context of the local church, in the context of the local assembly, a lot of it is going to dwell around prophecy. Not saying that prophecy is the only way we get edified, but it's a primary way we get edified, right? So, um, think about it this way. Think about it this way. Um, prophecy is something everybody should do. Every believer should do. We've differentiated between that. We differentiated, we differentiated between that and the ministry of the prophet, right? We've done that. So, but now in doing these things, because we are human and sort and sort of imperfect, that like there are things we can always grow or improve on, right? There has to be some things you will show that, oh, you are a master at this. So for instance, let's say you are praying and you feel like you just you're praying for someone and you just feel like you don't have a good feeling about this. If you are untrained, it doesn't mean you are wrong. This is the, this is the point that like a lot of people might mistake. It doesn't mean that you're bad, the bad for lack of a better word, vibes or feeling you are getting from that thing. It doesn't mean you are wrong. But if you then tell the person, I don't like how this thing, I feel like maybe like I don't want to be negative. But let's say you just feel like you feel like somebody's in danger. Yeah. There are a lot of things that will inform how you communicate the message. Right. And I'll explain why this is important. Prophecy is supposed to bless. It's supposed to strengthen. It is supposed to encourage. It should give joy. It should make you better. It should edify you. Does that make sense? Right, guys? If you prophesy to somebody and you leave them fearful, you are... Prophecy hasn't done the best job that it can. It's been untrained. If you prophesy to someone and you leave them anxious or uncertain, right, you could have probably done a better job of ministering. If you minister to someone... So let's first stick with those two scenarios. And it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily say that. So, for instance, practical example, let's say you feel like, okay, you feel like this person is about to travel and there might be an accident. You don't say, I pray and I saw that your boss had an accident or your plane had an accident. You say, what is God's will? This is why you must balance prophecy and the spiritual with the will of God. God's will is that he would long life will satisfy us. So, God revealing that seemingly bad thing that is about to happen to you. Whenever God revealed things that were supposed to happen, it was for it to be prevented. There was never a time in Scripture, in the Old Testament, that God revealed something bad that would happen, right? Just to, for, it, for your uh, FYI, for you to know this is happening. No. It was for deliverance. The Holy Spirit is... Look at what he said in Ezekiel. I sought for a man that would stand in the gap. Gap because there was something to be prayed for. There was something to be that God couldn't find. So we know that whenever a bad thing similar happens, it is not God's doing. 
you know what I'm trying to say? And typically, he will strike to the Holy Spirit will try to find someone to do whatever would be necessary in that context to avoid that thing. Do we understand? So if you prophesy to someone, you leave them fearful. No. And there is how you, it seems that there is, it might be wise to understand or to take into consideration that there is how you speak to different levels of believers, right? So it depends on the baby believer, right? It might not be the most useful thing to say, oh, I saw that you might, like there was an accident, but God has protected you. God keeps you, God preserves you. There will be no accidents, no distance. The person who does think is like a normal prayer, but you are ministering the realities of God's kingdom over that situation, over that person. Job well done. Does that make sense? But you will see in scripture that sometimes Jesus would say, This was about to happen, but I did this. So, for instance, John 16 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Literal information, FYI, will be of good job of overcome the world. Do you feel anxious hearing that scripture? Or do you feel hopeful that, oh, this is good? It leaves you with hope. Even though there was a guarantee that, see, things would be tricky, you would need to man up or woman up. Things would be tricky. Things would be challenging. But that scripture leaves you with hope. Right? Same thing, look at how Jesus did with Peter. said, Simon Peter, Satan has sought you out to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Do you think Peter felt that place anxious or hopeful? Whenever you feel something revealed, like you have received something, it is very important that by default, a thing that you know is that God wants his will for that person to be done, and his will, you can find it in scripture, to be preserved, to have life, and have it abundantly, to prosper and be in health as their soul prospers. You can take cues from what is obtainable in scripture, right? And then see, oh, this is what should be done. This is God's will. If he has revealed it to me, it is in his mercy for me that he has revealed it to me for me to prophetically change this, for me to superimpose the realities of heaven or the kingdom of God on that situation. Does that make sense, guys? So while you might see things, it is not every time you say everything you see verbatim to everybody. So if the believer is maybe a little more mature, like we see in the case of Peter, you can maybe state it, but you the message must be the person has hope, must leave the person feeling hopeful, not anxious, not worried, not fearful. If we haven't done that, then we have not, prophecy hasn't run its full course. Does that make sense, guys? So we have already established a couple of things. The motive for any kingdom endeavor must be love and a clear conscience. It must be done in love. You don't want people feeling, oh, that's a powerful man of God. No, you want people feeling, God, thank you. I've been waiting for this, God, thank you. That is, see, when you pray for someone or you prophesy for someone and a person does that, that is almost, aside really converting someone, and sometimes in converting somebody, you might not, you might not really, really feel, except it was a fairly dramatic story, right? You might not necessarily feel how much God, like I said, feel. You might not necessarily feel how much God loves, but when somebody came to a service with an expression like, God, you must see me today. I don't know who you are going to send to me. Yeah? You must see me today. And then God now says, you are the person, God now gives you a concerning person. And you just see the person, I've been waiting for you. You would... Feel God's love. You don't want people saying, oh, that's a powerful man of God. You want people saying, God, thank you. So that should 
sort of correct your motivations, your intentions behind why you want to get better, why you want to be skilled in doing these things. Does that make sense? If what you want people to see is, oh, he's a powerful man of God, that's a powerful woman of God, a firebrand. No. Your job is to make people see the love of God. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, that we are the fragrance of Christ, dispensing his love. What people should see when they interact with us, when they meet with us, is that God loves them. Does that make sense? So this should be why you should want to get better at prophecy, at healing. So when you see that family that has a sick baby and you minister to that baby, they'll be thankful for their baby, not that, oh, that's a powerful, no. That will come alongside it because God would want more people to hear about you and for you to like be able to minister to more people and get more good things done, right? I'm not saying that wouldn't happen. Like, if you consistently do something, your fame will spread abroad. Jesus, the same thing happened for Jesus, right? But at the end of the day, you want people to feel like God loves me, God sees me. Does that make sense, right? So that should purify our motivations for spiritual gifts. Amen. Same thing for how zealously we want to get them. It has to be pure. It must be for love and service to edify. Not for you to feel like, oh, I can do this. You can keep this call with yourself. But the moment you are ministering to somebody, it has to be about that person. You're not trying to be the most profound speaker in how you are giving the prophecy, right? What you want to communicate is that, see, God saw you and said, no, I'm going to like, Seemingly, you know how people dramatize it affectionately. That God went through everybody just to meet with you. Whatever works for you, why you feel God's love. Does that make sense? So, prophecy should show the unsaved love of God towards winning them for Christ. We've covered that already. So, we're just going to go through a couple of things. Like, might it might seem like an exhaustive or an inexhaustive list of what prophecy should and shouldn't do. Prophecy should not inspire fear. Prophecy should not condemn. Prophecy should not ridicule. Prophecy is not to cast people for their sins in public. There's what to do if you see these things and we'll cover it. Prophecy is not for show off. I'm a spiritual man. You know you are. God knows you are. Right? Show people God's love. Prophecy is not for manipulation. Doesn't, I guess I would guess what I'm trying to say because the it's like how when um, the prophet Samuel was trying to look for a king for Israel, God told him, like, you look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. Do you know how wild it is that there are some people that would, as Jesus said, that there are some people that at the end of the day, they would say, Master, we did all of this in your name. Jesus said that you never loved. Get out of me, workers of iniquity. They did those things. They were not lying. Right, but the point someone told some total some to of everything you said was like you didn't love. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Does it make does that does this make sense, guys? Uh we're rounding up soon. We are ministers of reconciliation, not condemnation, right? So if you are seeing that a believer is living in sin, that an elder in the church is living in sin. If depending on where you are, if you're a church leader, you know you can call that person aside or you can talk to the spiritual leader over that house, right? Pray for the person or whatever. 
but it's not a thing you say it's not to catch like i said if prophecy doesn't leave you feeling strengthened encouraged blessed all of these things prophecy has not run its course does that make sense guys prophecy has not run in a course there are things you should probably keep to yourself or tell a pastor if you see. Because in sin, we do see. Amen. Number one, you see an elder that's like a church leader living in sin. You see a worker being called to leave the church and go somewhere else. Right? Let's say, just say, oh, just had a vision of this person as such a proactive worker in the church and going somewhere. You don't go and see it when they're asking, does anybody have a word? No, that's being untrained, right? You don't go and say that there. You just tell the pastor, Pastor, this is what I see. Um, might be incorrect, but this is kind of like how I feel. So you can just like have that in mind, pray about it, that kind of thing. You see certain actions or corrections the church should take, right? Quote and unquote, nobody you get church, right? You go tell the man that God has said over that church, over that house that, Pastor, this is what I received. Like, is there anything that can be done about this? Like, this is just what I received. It's not for you to now have a road of correction of superiority, and then when they are saying, we'll call, <laughs> we'll call a mic from you. Do you understand? Why? Because there has to be order. There is order in the way things are done in the kingdom of God. You see someone's future spouse, keep it to your, like, it's not for you to tell the person. <laughs> keep it to yourself and allow things to take their natural course because why we remember we said that prophecy must not manipulate right prophecy is not for manipulation and if you've already said that if you see spiritual wife future wife or spouse for or husband for another person keep it to yourself same thing for you so if you see your own spouse don't tell the person god said yeah, my wife it is manipulative if you feel like you have anything about the person in church Babes, as Pity would say, maybe set leg or whatever. Guys, learn to toast, I guess. Talk to Pity. Like, Shasha, he's not going to go and tell that babe that, oh, God said you are my wife. Bro, in which year, in which world, in which century? Does that make sense? First Corinthians 14 40. Let everything be done decently and in order. The point of prophecy is to build up, to encourage, right? And then generally, there's talking about things that prophecy must not or should not do. Like I said, the whole point of prophecy is that you are better. Even in being corrected, yeah, the love of God comes through in being corrected. You don't make people feel stupid or ridiculed, whether privately or publicly. There is a way you can talk, even if your tone is a little strong, right? The person can tell that you love them, that God loves that person. There is how you say things, there's how you communicate things, right? That won't make the person feel stupid. Prophecy should build up. See, the moment prophecy doesn't build up, doesn't make better, prophecy hasn't run its full course. There were things that were unsaid that should have been said. There were things that were said that probably shouldn't have been said. And if this has happened to you in the past, we get better, right? This entire um, series of training is for us to be more mindful of these things, right? We might not, guys, we might not appreciate how important learning all of these things are. We just might not appreciate it just yet. But guys, this is incredibly important. 
people have left church because of these things. People have church hurt because of these things, because of things that were not handled properly, or because of things that were misused. Let's pray they went to other churches, right? In that case, it's not church growth, it's church migration. So the body of Christ as a whole was not better for your being untrained. Do you understand? These things are consequential at scale that we might not even realize. So it is important. It is very, very, very important. We can grow in these things, guys. We can grow in these things. Take the step of faith. Trust God for it. Let your zeal come through, right? Read about it. Listen to sermons where PT has preached about these things before. Get books that talk about spiritual healing. Stuff that Kenneth Hagen has wrote would almost always be good and golden. Like, go through. And then, most importantly, practice, right? Practice. I remember after, like, the sometime period after the story I shared when I finished school, so I wasn't actively. I wasn't pastoring them anymore in campus. I was now like fully here. And there was a particular meeting. We were at 45. It was probably a camp meeting or a serious conference, or it was sure like one of those other meetings. It wasn't a typical Sunday service. And I told God, God, you know all those things that we see the fathers do, that we see PC do, that we see Selman do, that we see Adebui do, all of them, that they say there's this person with this name. I told him, God, I want it. Again, guys, I was seemingly already at the point where um, you could say I got specific. You're going through this, you're going through this, blah, 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 blah. And sure. Right? But guys, because of my, my personal goals, ministry, calling, the things I feel God has in my heart, I, I wanted it to be. You know how you see some things and it feels like magic? I wanted to be just there, like, like that. Not because of anything, but I understand the usefulness of me being effective in that ministry. So I told God during that day, it was an impartation service. Pity was on fire, absolute fire, typical. Not a surprise, but we always receive it. I have thoughts about how to make the best of impartations. I might share it to them, I shared it on Sunday, like during workers' meeting or something, if I'm the one taking it. But PC was doing impartation, and then obviously he received gifts. Like, go and use them. Go and go. And I was like, God, I don't want to do the typical things. I can look and see and hear what I'm going and bless you, and you will feel like God really touched you and reached out to you, and He did. But then personally, only you want them, but you probably know that you want to be better. And I was like, God, how is this gonna? Ha- I-, I want to. I want to challenge myself. So again, I was going back to that unfamiliar, uncertain place where. Am I sure this is God or is this is my mind? Right? And so I didn't intentionally go and go and pray for anybody. It was a ministering one to another moment, but I intentionally didn't go to pray for anybody. I was like, until I receive something that is like super as in super specific. Again, for context, like I could do the typical you go pray, see, bless the person, right? I was like, no, Lord, I want your name is this, your this is that, your chip is blah, blah, blah. All of that, just that's what I wanted. And then I heard a thought. I heard a thought. I was like, ah. My mind to myself, Daniel Sinkancasto, you are legitimately saying something that can be a yes or a no. Legitimately. 
this is either a yes or a no. The thought that was in my heart or in my head was incredibly specific. I was like, ha. Before they go and think I'm a fraud. <laughs> so I walked up to the person. It was a guy. I walked up to the person, held hands, and I was like, yo, I skirted around it. I didn't want to drop the main thing that I heard. And typically what I've noticed or observed about the things of the Spirit, and other people would confirm this, is that the moment you step out in faith, God will continue to push you and uphold you. You continue to see it. So the moment you open your mouth to speak, you continue to get filled. You continue to see and hear more. Like, that's typical. I'd observed it. I'd experienced it. I knew it was so, it was good. But this one was a little too, I was like, ah, this is the type I saw that I said was scary. It was magic. And I was like, God, if I say this thing, it's not true. Like, it's not true. So I skirted around it. I didn't say it. Then guess what? The person now said the very same exact thing. Specifically. Fact for fact, comma for comma. The very same thing specifically that God had laid in my heart for that person. He said it. I kind of precipitated him saying it. Right? But I didn't tell him this was this for him to feel seen and loved by God. And I was like, for me, it was a teachable moment. Why? Um, Mixler, are we good? Okay. So for me, it was, that was a teachable moment because I was like, okay, you know what? I got something. I didn't trust it enough because I thought it was my mind. Right? And I didn't take that step of faith. So saying that to say this, sometimes you get the word. You don't want you want to be careful. You need to know where you stand. Do you you don't want to overemphasize and you don't want to underemphasize that word? So what I mean by that is this. Let's say there's something that you've known your you know your history with God. Like you know how I'm sure of this, there's those times that we get it by reason of using especially. This is a short word because I get it where I typically get it. You, you are shash church and you know. You know your dealings with God. But because you might be thinking how this person receives it, you now want to just downplay it. Sometimes the word, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word we are speaking is still the word of God. It's not just the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. But the words that you speak, God gives you those words to speak so they are his words still. If you don't say the words the way you are supposed to say them, right, it would not inspire the level of faith that that person needs to receive the promise that is in that word. So this thing requires an amount of boldness and daring. Yeah? You receive something, this person doesn't look like he needs money, you say it. This person doesn't look like he has not paid house rent, fine shoe, fine semi-tofa, you say it. This person doesn't look like anything is wrong, you will say it. So that the person has the capacity of faith to receive. In the same vein, if you know that, hmm, I'm getting signals about this, but I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I need to pray some more about it, and maybe there is no time to pray at that point in time or whatever. You can express your level of certainty about that thing that, oh, so I feel so and so, blah, blah, blah. Does this make sense to you? You're checking. Do you understand? That's a humane thing to do. Not that you just want to form bravado or bravado. It's not a thing to do. Does that make sense, guys? It's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely not a thing to do. So guys, everybody must prophesy. 
we have touched different things, different aspects about what prophecy is, what it should look like, why everybody should prophesy, things to avoid, better ways to deliver prophecy in certain contexts. We've touched a whole couple of things, right? We'll probably have start having some more ministry moments on other sessions again. This series we are currently running might be a brilliant way to remind yourself or refresh yourself about things that you need to learn to do, right? Even in your personal day-to-day lives, guys, you'll be better for like prophecy makes things better, guys. I promise you. I promise you. Prophecy makes things better. So I hope that the word that we shared today gained entrance into our hearts. So I just want us to pray, and I want us to desire more. You will see there are certain things as a believer you will not graduate from. So certain prayers shouldn't get tired to you, right? So if you feel like every time we say certain things and you feel like they've come again, do you feel like ah this person has come and is doing too much when one person when when you're getting your monthly salary every month? Does that feel like too much? So if you are okay being tapped up financially, materially, why would you be hesitant or feel some type of way about, oh, they've come again because we want to tap up spiritually, right? So I want us to trust God for more. Like, I'm sure that you know what the next level of whatever it is for you looks like, right? You know what that next level is. You've probably been able to comfortably do this. You're like, God, take me out of my comfort zone. We should be praying right now, guys. God, take me out of my comfort zone. I want to be able to do this. There is, a, there is a healthy level of personal ambition in the things of the Spirit that you should have. Zeal. Desiring, earnestly desiring the best gifts. There is a personal level of ambition you should have with how effectively right, you want to minister spiritual gifts. You know what that looks like. You know, thank God for the things that you've been able to do. Thank God for your God bless you, God loves you. Thank God for the specifics that takes you a little bit of time to pray. Thank God for your looking and, and receiving, yeah? But you probably somewhere in your mind know that there is some sort of next level, right? There is some sort of next level to your effectiveness in that particular gift. If you don't know what it is, ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, open your heart, and desire whatever that thing is. In the next two minutes, just desire whatever that thing is. Desire whatever that thing is. Desire whatever that next level is. Desire whatever that level of effectiveness is. Desire it, guys. This thing starts with desire. I want it. The first time I ever conducted the Holy Ghost meeting, I saw Pastor Tulu do it in my school the week before. I went to him after I said, I want to do what you do. He prayed for me and did it the next week. Desire, guys. Desire. Desire, 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 desire. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Chance to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9 a.m. and Wednesday by 6 p.m. to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.